Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Has finally arrived. Jamie's 2023 fantasy football rankings breakdown series begins here on the show today. Welcome in to the Tuesday edition of the Prospects and Props podcast. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner here with you once again on the show. We begin our journey with through Jamie's 2023 fantasy football rankings by taking a look at the quarterbacks. That is going to take place over the next three days worth of show. So it's not just going to be crammed into one big long episode. We're going to give this an opportunity to breathe, give this an opportunity for me to grill Jamie with some questions. Jamie attempting to explain himself, debates, and my fa- my two favorite parts about this are I get to yell at Jamie about things that I'm mad at, and it's mainly going to be things like on the margins with like players 25 through 40 in which I'm angry yep. at what he did the with like player 27. Yeah, it's going to be like those yep. on the margin decisions. Then I'll be like, Jamie, why'd you have this running back here and not here? And it's going to be like an inconsequential, not top 20 player. Yeah. But that's what we do this for. That's a lot of fun. So, Jamie, you're done. You have completed them all. Uh, all of yes. the rankings are done. They are um, up on the website for premium users to see. They can see your projections for all of the players. The projections the, yeah, are, are for premium users. But every every man, woman, child, and cyborg can see my rankings, uh, courtesy of the Fantasy Pros uh, widget that is implanted at the, at the draftnetwork.com underneath fantasy football. So we start with the quarterbacks today, and the way we've decided to do this is we feel it's easy to do this in chunks. So for today, yep. we are going to look at Jamie's quarterback rankings from player QB 16 through QB 40. That's the chunk that we're going to go through today. We'll do the top 15 tomorrow. And then on day three of the show, I believe we're doing sleepers for yes. this group. That's how this is going to be broken down for this position. Yeah, so obviously we're going to tackle a couple sleepers on this show uh, as well. But we're going to dive deep into players that are specifically sleepers, why they are there uh, into that on Friday's show. But uh, excuse me, on Thursday's show, and then Friday's are, are typical takes on takes. But um, I, I think it's going to be really interesting to go through these because these are going to be QB2s. Uh, these are super flex options for you, depth pieces. So uh, if you are in a super flex league, if you do play in a league that's like a family league where everybody drafts two quarterbacks, this is going to be relevant to you. Um, but there's also going to be some players you're going to want to keep an eye on. And I always talk about, you know, even if you're in a single quarterback, let's say a 10-team single quarterback league, and you're saying, well, why should I care about this episode? Uh, one, because, please. And two, because... Kenny works very hard on these, please. No, but no, but but two, because... And I used to say this a lot when I did fantasy baseball rankings for SI and other outlets, is that you need to kind of know in advance whether a breakout or a short run or something early in the season is something that is reasonable, something that is a sign of things to come, or is a fluke. And -hmm. I think one of the ways you can help identify that when you start tackling the waiver wire early in the season, when you have very short sample sizes to work with, are – Are they matching the things that you thought about in the preseason, whether it was additional wide receivers, whether it was additional volume? Is there something that you kind of circled when you did your research and said, I need to kind of wait and see on this player? Or is it something that is kind of completely fluky? Because if you go and you say, okay, we're through a couple weeks of the season and I was going to, I was going to be in on this guy if he got this volume and then he starts to get the volume 
you can get the jump on the rest of your league a week or two early because you've already have that built in uh, parameters that you're or boxes that you've already want to see checked. And that's what this episode can be. So even if you're in a smaller league with only single quarterback play, I think you're going to learn a few things on this show and you might be able to find some values later in the draft or even later in the season on the waiver wire. Jamie, I have four, four pointed questions for you based on your rankings of QBs 16 through 40. So if you will allow me, I will go in order from 40 all the way up through 16 because I have these in chunks. And so, okay. So I, I assume you can do this one chunk at a time. I right? am going to do this one. I am going to do this one chunk okay. at a time because my first, my first question or conversation starter here. Can for they be you, rounded questions? Do they have to be pointed? They are pointed. They're not rounded. Yeah, they're pointed okay. questions. Is quarterbacks 30 through 40? And so for those of you who maybe okay. do not have the rankings open while we're doing this, I will read those players to you. QB 30, Will Levis. QB 31, Baker Mayfield. QB 32, Desmond Ritter. QB 33, Ryan Tannehill. QB 4, Colt McCoy. QB 35, Mike White. QB 36, Sam Darnold. QB 37, Trey Lance. QB 38, Stenson Bennett. QB 39, Aiden O'Connell. And QB 40, Clayton Toon. And Jamie... My pointed Chris. question, my pointed conversation from this chunk of players is this group screams to mm-hmm. me that you've got a lot of players who are going to see small spurts of action, right? Clayton Tune, a guy, Colt McCoy, who might play a handful of games until Kyler Murray comes back. Aiden O'Connell, yep. probably the insurance for Jimmy Garoppolo, could see a stretch of games. Mike White in that role in Miami. And so we don't need to go through each and every one of them. But the question that I want to ask you, if of this group yep. of 30 through 40, which quarterback do you think is most likely to be that breakout player and be maybe better than these rankings because of the extended run that they get? Whew. Okay, so that's a great question. Thank you. I, I, I worked very hard on that question. I think there are two players. And... I have two as well that I, I okay. soft circled. And, and I think it's obviously with, with this group, there's only – at the moment, there are only one, two, three, and I guess we'll call it four. No, we could call it four because Kyler's hurt. Starters out of so, this group of 11. Desmond Ritter. Yes. Ryan Tannehill. Yes. Baker Mayfield. Yes. And then Colt McCoy slash Clayton Toon. Insert Arizona Insert Arizona starting here. QB. Yeah. But I, I think the spirit of your question is who has the opportunity when given the reins or mm-hmm. if given the reins in week one, hypothetically, can take the ball and run with it from a fantasy perspective. And I think there, there, there are two answers here. Okay, let's see if we're uh, the it, same. And they're y- two young players. Oh, man, I'm not really sure we're going to be okay. in similar here. Will Levis and Trey Lance. Yeah, no. Okay, I mean, so we're I mean, off. Uh, uh, so we'll, uh, then we'll talk about you guys in a second. But, but let me talk about my guys here. Um, Lance, I don't think he's going to get the reins to be the starter, which is why it was a report yesterday here at 37. Everything's on track for Brock Purdy to be the week one starter. He's going to be healthy and good to go. Yeah. And it, it, and I, I think the report was like, if he's healthy, like, well, yeah, no shit. If he's healthy, he's going to be the starter. Like, like they've been pretty clear about this. I didn't lose a regular season game last year when he was the starter. Yeah. And, and no, he's going to be the starter. Con- yeah. And they've been pretty consistent about whether you agree with it or not. It's not the point. They've been very consistent with this approach. So it, it, the question is not whether or not Brock Purdy's the starter. The question is whether or not the elbow is healthy enough for him to start in week one. 
Um, but obviously Trey Lance with the rushing ability and the ability to run the RPO game alongside Christian McCaffrey is a really intriguing option when he gets a chance to play. I just don't think he's going to get a significant chance to play. However, injury optimism in June has hurt many a fantasy manager. Mm-hmm. And until Brock Purdy's on the field and active and makes it through a few games with the elbow, you never know. Uh, Will Levis is the one that's really interesting to me. He's not going to begin the year as the starter. Ryan Tannehill is. But um, and I don't even know if this was a me and you podcast or this was something you did on TDN Daily, but we're, there was a look of like where Will Levis might start in the calendar. That was on this show. That was on this show. Okay. I, did this. I, I watch. I, I, I'm a daily watcher. Thank you. And, and listener, but mostly watcher uh, you. on YouTube uh, of the TDN Daily podcast. I sometimes conflate the two. There's a lot of football lot. content that goes across two spheres. You, for you us, talk a lot. I per forget day, where it goes sometimes as well, but I'm Your pretty sure that was a conversation on this show. Are high. Um, but if he gets an opportunity to start in that October-ish range, this is a guy that's got mobility. He's got a big arm. Uh, and quite frankly, I think the Titans are going to be down in a lot of games and they might have to throw the ball a lot. There might be a lot of broken plays for him to scramble when receivers other than Traylon Burks can't get open because they're let's look at the depth chart. I don't want to be disrespectful. So those are the two guys that I look at as the most opportunity of guys. You're not drafting unless you're in a super flex league where every quarterback that's starting gets or starting or has the chance to start gets drafted. But two guys that I think if they get handed the starting reins could be guys that will be ranked inside the top 15 or 16 on a given week where you might actually consider playing them consistently if they were starters. So what I love about this is you and I got to to do different conclusions here. I have two different players than you have in this tier that I think could potentially quote unquote break out. One's already going to be a starter. I think, I think we're assuming this guy is the starter in this specific place. Uh, And that would be Desmond Ritter for the Atlanta. Oh yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, he's starting. Who's the well, back of there? Heineke? Taylor Heineke. They gave they gave a decent amount of money to that would allow uh, me to kind Ritter, of- Ritter's gonna get Ritter's gonna get every chance to fail before they go somewhere else. I, I agree. I agree. And I think for me, the thing that gets me most excited about Desmond Ritter is I think there's some rushing upside with him of being able to scramble outside the pocket. I think they've upgraded in some key spots. Now their wide receiver group isn't very good. I ranked it going into this season. Let me see officially it was 31st. I has I have it as the 31st ranked wide receiver group, but where they make up for it is they have a top 10 running back room, in my opinion, with Corderell Patterson, Bijan Robinson, and Tyler Algier. That gets them in the top 10. And I just did tight ends on yesterday's TD and Daily, and I have them third because of Kyle Pitts and John Smith. So it's yeah. not like they're devoid of talent when it comes to offensive skill players. It's just outside of Drake London, they don't have a, light, a lot to write home about in their wide receiver room, despite Jamie trying to tell me that Matt Collins is a thing and trying to make that a thing here on the show. So I think there's some upside there with the running ability and some pretty decent skill players, and he's going to be the starter. The other player that I'll throw into the mix, and then, Jamie, you can debate me on either one of these players, is, and this is, again, we're talking about injuries in June, and I want to caution against this, but I think that's the point of this question, would be Mike White in Miami. And that is because the Mm -hmm. supporting cast that Mike White would have, stepping in for Tua, who has missed games almost every year of his career, would be better than he's ever had in his tenure when he was filling in for the Jets over the last couple of years in New York. Having Tyreek Hill, having Jalen Waddell, uh, they've got the worst tight end group in the league, uh, the, the worst tight end group in the league, in my opinion, but you got good running backs. We talked about them on yesterday's show. And so, again, an offense that's very creative, a really good play caller. We saw him have success in a similar style of offense with New York. He was slinging it around all over the place. There would be better protection in Miami and better skill position players. And so, for me, if you gave Mike White, let's say, a six to eight game run, Jamie, 
He'd be somebody that I think you could stream on a weekly basis if the matchup was really good, if he filled in for Tua, and feel like you're going to get probably top 12 quarterback play just because of what he can do throwing the football. So let's take each of these individually. I think that my pushback on Desmond Ritter is a little bit's going to be volume-based. I, I have the Falcons projected to throw the third fewest amount of passes per game in the NFL this year. They're going to run the ball a gajillion times. Officially. Yeah, and, that, and that's not a shock. Uh, given no. the, the personnel they have, given their coaching tendencies, uh, I, I they're not going to be a pass-heavy team. I don't think it's going to do Desmond Ritter a lot of good to be pass-heavy. And that's my concern. Uh, you know, I, I have him barely getting to 500 pass attempts, and, and I don't think he's got the – I like some pieces that he has uh, from a skill set perspective, but I don't think he's got the skill set to take 500 pass attempts and turn it into a, a highly productive fantasy season. And I actually have him on a per-game basis projected to be the worst starting fantasy quarterback in the NFL. Um, and so I guess that that to me is the one where I look back and I go – I'm not sure I buy that. The Mike White one is interesting because he did flash at times last year. And if you take out that last game, like he had a three game stretch there with the Jets where he was averaging more than 18 fantasy points per game uh, as the starter for them. And he's got a better situation, I think, as you clearly pointed out there in Miami, if he comes in. The question is going to be is like, are you going to roster Mike White on your fantasy team on your bench, even in a super flex league? and essentially betting on to his injury history. Like maybe uh, in, in a deep super flex league that, you, you know, you are going to consider that where, you know, the best players available are guys like third stringers. But I would say for most people, it's not one that I would worry about right away. But Chris, I do think this is a good call out for that second part that I discussed earlier before we started getting into individual players about kind of putting a star next to certain players and kind of putting yourself in a situation to be ahead of the game if they are mm-hmm. given opportunities. If we see, I mean, let, I mean, let's be honest. I, I, we're not hoping for anything, but if Tua gets a concussion during the season, the track record, just the given track record. what they, yeah. just given what the history has been, and the amount of concern there needs to be about him as a human being right. at that point, I imagine any sort of head injury that he may sustain. I'm not saying he's going to, but if he does sustain one, is going to be treated with a lot of scrutiny. And an abundance of caution, which might mean a prolonged absence, even greater than what we have become accustomed to when a player receives a concussion. It's it's one worth monitoring, I, I think, for sure, Chris. I think that's a good call. All right, I have another tier that I'd like to discuss with you. Tier of QB 22 through 29 is the next tier up where I have some discussion points with you, and I will read those for the listeners here on the show. CJ Stroud, QB 22, Bryce Young, QB 23, Jamie taking the cowardly way out and just putting two rookie quarterbacks right next to each other in the rankings and not really separating them by much. Cowardly. You're being a coward by doing that. Uh, QB 24, Brock Purdy. QB 25, Kyler Murray. QB 26, Kenny Pickett. QB 27, Jimmy Garoppolo. QB 28, Mac Jones. And QB 29, Jordan Love. And Jamie, I've got two names from this group that I think are interesting because I don't know if they necessarily have the skill sets to offset what I would describe as below average passing skills in the fantasy sense, but I think can be good enough to be streaming options late in the season when it comes to bye weeks or you have an injury to a quarterback and you're looking to pick somebody up. I have two names. Do you want to try to guess those two names? Jordan Love and Mac Jones. Okay, you got half of it right. Jordan Love and Kenny Pickett are the two names that I would like to discuss here. Because, again, 
I don't think they're going to wow you with their passing ability to be able to be in, to be, look, when we talk about top 10, top 12 quarterbacks, you either have to be a prolific passer on just an otherworldly level, or you have to be able to be a player like Jalen Hurts who can score some touchdowns on the ground and also have decent enough yeah. passing volume. Kenny Pickett and Jordan Love, I don't think check those boxes. But midway through the season, towards the latter part of the season, you pick up an injury, you get a nice matchup where the Steelers are facing a good defense. I think Kenny Pickett's good enough to where he could be a streaming option for you. I think Jordan Love, depending on what we see from him in the early part of the season, could be somebody that you might want to put a star next to. Again, not a guy I think you're going to draft, but again, we're, yeah. so that, that's what this th these ranking shows are about, is I'm going to nitpick, and we're going to talk about players that well, are the outside the, ra the realms of being draftable players. But for me, Kenny Pickett and Jordan Love in this tier feel like some decent options for the the parameters that I just set. And this is the overall point. Like, like we'll talk about the top guys on tomorrow's show, but, like, there's only so many things I could tell you about Patrick Mahomes. He's like, good. Let's, let's be, let's very, be honest. So good. I think this is where it, it gets interesting. Uh, this range and above, we're all in guys that are probably going to play at least one game for somebody in your league, even in a single quarterback league at some point this season. As a streaming option, as an injury replacement, anybody in this group could start a game in your fantasy league this year at some point. Uh, Jordan Love is interesting because I, I think there's – it's really almost like evaluating a rookie in the sense. Like he has gotten – so little play when it matters and miss me with preseason stuff from two years ago. Just miss me with it. it, it we can't glean any information. But this is going to be an interesting facet for him because he – if you look at this Packers offense and if I'm LaFleur and company, I still think it's an open division. Jamie Eisner thinks the Lions are going to win this hashtag division. If you're good about it. But – hashtag your Lions. But – if I am the Packers, I believe I'm in the mix of this. I think the best way for the Packers to establish themselves is by getting Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon involved heavily, both in the run game and in the short pass. Uh, you sign me up for that. You, get, you, and the more A.J. Dillon I can get on the field, the better, man. And again, this isn't revolutionary. I don't nope. say this as like, hey, I have discovered something. Like, no, no shit. I mean, that's what they need to do. Uh, you've, you've, look, used, look, you've used two curse words very or the same. I've used the same word. one. I've said Twice. no shit now three times. In, three times in the first eighteen minutes of the show. I didn't think the rank, to it. I didn't think the rankings would would draw the e tag, well, but here we are. Well, because I mean, sometimes like people will say the most obvious things and then wait for like an applause. Uh, I, I'm not doing that in this. Uh, case, the, uh, the, not to get political boost. You're, you're looking for the uh, the Jeb Bush please clap. That's what you're looking yes. for. Jeb exclamation point. Yep, please. Uh, remember that. Uh, but okay. Well, well, I let's let's get back to this. Yes. Uh, so I, I don't think they're going to try to rely on Jordan Love to throw it a ton. Uh, I I was not particularly excited about Jordan Love as a prospect when he came out a few years ago. I'm not sure exactly what we're going to get. I'm not in love with a lot of the pass catching options that they have right now. They've got some young pieces that I like. I'm using one. You got if I use one, you got to get out of the way. I, I call the timeout. Well, I, I was looking. I was looking at my projections on a different screen, Chris. I couldn't see it. Jamming the timeout. I I, you, I couldn't hit couldn't the button it. any harder. You couldn't see it. Uh, the I, I you you kind of made the point because you railroaded through the stop sign. It's hard to buy into Jordan Love because I don't necessarily can buy into the year one output of this receiving group and yeah. this pass catching group outside of Christian Watson. You've got Romeo Dubs Dobbs. I forget how we're pronouncing his name Dubs, now in 2023. Yeah of a, a guy who didn't really play particularly well last year. You've got Jaden Reed, who's going to be a rookie, who I think is going to be the wide receiver two on this team. But how much how much impact could he have? He's a first-round rookie. You've got no, or a, a, a first-year rookie. And then you've got two tight ends in 
uh, Musgrave and Kraft, who are going to be year one players. Like, tight ends we know are are tough to adjust going from college to pro at this level. Like, how much help is he really going to have in year one? You hope these guys grow together, but that's more of a year two, year three, year four thing, not a year one thing for Jordan Love as the starter. So I think there's going to be some bumps in the road here. I'm arguing against my own point here, but that's why I think Jordan Love might be better off later in the season when this starts to gel and when this starts to come together. But early on, like this pass catching group has so much to learn. And that's the, that's the worry that I have there. Yeah, there's a lot of unknown here. And Jordan Love will run a little bit, but he's not going to run much. Uh, definitely not compared to some of these other quarterbacks. Like I haven't projected for about 150 yards and one to two touchdowns on the ground. Like that's nothing. Like that's half of what I have Kitty Pickett. Uh, projected to do, who is the second player we're about to talk about. But I, I just don't see a lot of him. I, I think there's right now I have Jordan Love projected to lead the league in interceptions uh, at 15 and a half. So I, I just I have a lot of concerns about what he's going to bring. But sure, in the right matchup, in the right scenario with a certain amount of bye weeks, I could see him being, you know, a player that you might want to stream. But Kenny Pickett, I think, is more apt for that spot because, you know, he is somebody that is going to run around a little bit. The the rushing touchdowns are going to come down <laughs> based on what yeah. they were last year. But I also think the interceptions are going to come down too. And that's not an equal, but it, it's definitely something I think is worth noting. Uh, to me, it's my projections had him really low passing touchdown wise. Well, and I, yet, I can understand. The, the, and it's not a good I, wide receiver group. You're basing it not, mainly yeah. on the tight ends. And the running back group after Najee isn't that great. I have... I love this. You have your you have your rankings that you can invoke on the show, and I have my rankings that I, I can do. invoke here on the show. I had for running back Pittsburgh twenty fifth with Najee okay. Harris and, and, and Jalen and Warren. Warren. I, I was a little yeah. lower on Najee as a player because I, I think there's a ceiling. I am too. So I'm a little I, lower on Najee and a little higher on Jalen Warren, but that feels about right. I had them twenty fifth in running back for wide receivers. I had them nineteenth with that group. And for, tight, right. and for tight yeah. ends, I had them eighth because I think Friar Muth is a true tight end one and you have the high upside well. with Darnell Washington. So yeah, when Washington the best healthy. group you have out of your skill position players is I can get the, your tight ends to eighth on my personal rankings, it's hard for me to see how you're going to help a quarterback who, who has some flaws. He's not perfect. Yeah. He can't. He, he needs help. You need a good skill group. Now, could their 19th ranked skill group in terms of pass catchers be better? Sure, but we've got uh, – we have – It's it? a we've, weird group, though. Oh, it's a like, weird group. Let like, me read it to you. He, he, yeah, we've throw, got throw her, throw her we've got Deontay Johnson. We've got George Pickens. I like both of those guys. They're solid options, and I think they've got room to grow. But then we've got Allen Robinson and Calvin Austin. That's our top four. That's what we've got. This group here. is one of the weirder groups because the the differing skill sets here are all across the board. Right. Deontay Johnson is a I would say is probably the definition in terms of when people think about quote unquote possession receivers and even though this is not what his physical profile necessarily would indicate his possession receiver yep high targets high catches catch rate could be a little higher we all know that he's got a history of drops uh and is allergic to the end zone he, you've got George Pickens, who turns 50-50 balls into 75-25, but isn't a guy that creates much separation, and you kind of need him to be uh, this monster dude that can, that makes big plays down the field, but it's going to only catch about half of his targets. You've got Allen Robinson, who looks cooked. Yeah, this this cooked. this caused the most debate, because I, all I said was, I think Allen Robinson could be a decent wide receiver three, and that was apparently blasphemy for me to say that out loud. And Calvin Austin, who didn't play at all in his rookie season, so this is effectively his rookie year, and right. is is a speedy guy that can stretch the field vertically and horizontally. But 
is a guy we haven't seen is very unproven right now. So you have a bunch of guys in that room of like, but there are nobody that you uh, that has an overwhelming skill set. And by the way, nobody that really has a nose for the end zone. That's a pass catcher there. So I, I think you, you combine all of that. You, you combine what is essentially uh, an average skill group with an average talent at quarterback and you get a below average fantasy output. Like that's kind of what you get here. And yes, there'll be certain weeks where you'll, you'll, I'm not sure if you're ever going to feel really confident starting. No, th- I'm sure there's going to be certain weeks where I'll have success. And that's the fantasy point I'm making. success. I, I think he's one of the, I think he's one of the top break glass in case of emergency options that I would have on a post-it note, put on my, my computer monitor here that says, if my two quarterbacks get hurt, who's the first person I'm going to try to go after in, in free agency or the waiver wire. Kenny Pickett would, would make the post-it note. I think. Yes. Although we have to look last year and from a fantasy perspective, he was terrible. Uh, averaged only, and this is the other point you have to put. From the time he took over as a starter, he averaged 12.2 fantasy points per game. Yeah. Right 12.2 fantasy points great. per game. That's not going to do it. Like you need to be, to at least be, you know, in the conversation for the top 12, you need to be in the 18 point range. Uh-huh, 100%. On a given week. Yep. You know, 17, I mean, you a 17-ish point week won't destroy you, but it doesn't help you. Like, you really need to be in the 18, 19, 20-ish range to, to win on a, on a week. 12 I, from the quarterback will, will kill you. Can I give you the worst comparison ever that would undo everything I, I said nicely about Kenny Pickett being the guy on the post-it note? He, he averaged 12.2 fantasy points per game throughout the course of the season. Zach Wilson was 11.8. So... It's not great. It's not great. But I, again, I believe in Friermuth. I believe in that tight end room. I believe there's enough talent there to where he'd be a solid break glass in case of emergency. Because I think he's going to grow and develop too. Because I think he's going to cut down on the sure. interception. Yes. And I think he's yes. going to be better. Yes. But again, when we talk about guys that don't have this super high passing ceiling and have basically the lowest of low ceilings when it comes to running the football, you got to be able to just be decent enough to where you could get me out of a situation. And I think Pickett kind of falls into that bucket. All right, so before we move on from this group, we'd be sure. remiss if we didn't spend just a little I, I know we've talked a lot about him, but let's We're gonna do end this? with a, a little conversation about Bryce and CJ, right? Like, we need to talk oh, about the rookies. I thought you were going to make me do a Kyler Murray conversation, and I, I, no. I'm, I'm done talking about the Arizona Cardinals no, situation. No, for, I want a three-month moratorium on it. Unless your league has IR spots, you're not drafting Kyler Murray, unless you're in Superfly. I don't know. I, Jamie, I we sit here. Is it weird to you that we sit here on June 5th and we don't have a clue of when they're targeting him to come back. No, I think it's actually probably good that they don't. <laughs> I, I just I said like we Brack Purdy expected to go week. Yeah, one. but that's that's a different story. No, but, from but the ACL. But like, but yes, but I'm talking from an information perspective being disseminated to the masses, right? Information. Kyler Murray tore his ACL and had the surgery around Christmas. We haven't heard a peep. Yeah, I haven't heard a peep. Well, because honestly, to be fair, everything else coming out of the Cardinals organization doesn't seem to be good. So maybe not great. Just, yeah, not great. Yeah. just let them do it. Uh, you know, Bryce and CJ, uh, I look at them in, in single quarterback leagues this year as streaming options. 22 for CJ, 23 for Bryce. And actually, their projections came out 1.03 points apart. That's pretty good. It's pretty close. It's, it's kind of kind of crazy. Yeah. Um. And we 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 go in depth about uh, passing yards, passing touchdowns, interceptions on previous shows, but um. 
to me, this is one of the ones where I would caution against overdrafting these guys based on, oh, it's new and shiny, it's new rookies, all that other stuff. Superflex league, they're, they're, they are worthy starters as low-end QB2s. Single quarterback leagues, they they are stream only. But I feel like we should, given we are prospects and props and we are the draft network, true. We, should, we should at least touch on the guys at the top of that tier. Uh, we have... The last tier to go through, 16 right, through I, I know you have stuff to yell about in here. So. I have three things to yell about in here. I'm sure. All right, well, read them 16 to 21 because sure. these are the probably not going to be starters for you, but probably going to be drafted in all leagues and are going to be matchup plays going into the season. 16, Daniel Jones, 17, Geno Smith, 18, Sam Howell, 19, Jared Goff, 20, Derek Carr, 21, Matt Stafford. That is the group 16 through 21 for you. I right, will Jamie. say this before uh, before you say anything. Okay. Uh, I will say this is a projection has Matt Stafford playing 13 games. So right, I, I want to be, be clear sure. of that. If I thought he was playing 17 games, he'd be higher than this. But I am kind of hedging my bet here if I do have some major concerns um, about him and going into this. All year. right. I have two doors here, two door, two questions that I'd like to ask. Would you like door number one or door just, number two? Uh, just ask the Derek Carr thing first. So we get this out of the way. The joke's on you. I don't. I haven't. A Derek Carr is not on my list of things to talk about. Wow. Uh, okay. You, uh, let's I go. mean, you have him, you have him ranked too low, but like, it, there, there's not a conversation there. I think he's ranked too low. You think he's ranked just fine. We can just move on with our life. I figured I would. I would come at you with something. Different. Well, isn't that how? But isn't that like? Couldn't we say about everything? I mean, sure, but like, I, I don't I feel know. Feel like we're gonna have a show if that. Was I know, the... but I, I guess I didn't want to relitigate the whole Derek Carr thing again because okay. it's kind of become my brand here. Uh, by the way, it's not that if you looked at the numbers, the numbers aren't bad for Derek Carr. I just don't know if he's gonna throw as much as he normally would have uh, but all right door number two door number two geno smith at 17 daniel okay. jones at 16 both of those quarterbacks mr jamie j eisner in total fantasy yeah. points last year were both top 10 quarterbacks they were sure. geno was fifth and jones was ninth yet both of them are outside of the top 15 for you i would argue both teams got better on offense with some skill players yet you still rank them lower yeah explain yourself I'm not saying how, I disagree. I just would like an explanation. What, how confident do you feel in what you saw for parts of last year? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, all contrary, my friend. You don't need to convince me that the second half Geno Smith thing was a real thing <laughs> and that he should be ranked lower. I just think the the, the listener of this show is going to look at this and you go to Fantasy Pros and you look at Geno Smith was QB5 in total fantasy points last year as a quarterback and Daniel Jones was QB9. These were top 10 quarterbacks in terms of output over the course of a 17-game season, and yet you said they're not starters. They're not top 12 options if you're in a 12-team league. I think that's notable. I think that's noteworthy. Uh, it is. Um, you know, Geno Smith last year averaged 18.5 fantasy points per game, um, and, and, I th and I have him about two points per game lower. Uh, Daniel Jones last year. Uh, 18 before. So they were both about the same. I have them both about two points lower. Um, it, it's partially because I don't believe that either will continue in the same path that they were on last year. Uh, let's start with, with Geno Smith first, because I think there are some serious concerns that I have about the way he played in the second half of the season. Uh, I do think Seattle's going to want to run the ball more. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a 30 touchdown guy again. Uh, and I think that I don't think he's going to throw significantly less, but I think he's going to be more like in the mid 20s. And I think he's going to be a guy that, you know, if you look at what he did last year, stat wise, compared to what he did, uh, what I have him projected, it's not super far off. 
Um, I, I just think he, he's going to regress a little bit in touchdown percentage, a little bit in passing yards. And then at that point, it really just puts him back into this category of this middle class. Um, and, and I know last year we like to look at what guys did in totality, but I also I like to look at what they did rate-wise. Uh, and just because – and again, he's not that far down in rate. I'm just saying staying healthy for 17 games boosts you up the total point ranking. I would much rather have a guy that is a star for 15 games versus a guy that's good for 17 type of a thing. But – to me, it's just it's a subtle difference in touchdown percentage. Uh, his total passing yards, I think it's going to look a little bit more like it did late last year. And I think they might throw just a smidge less this year as they get more and more running backs up and rolling there. So I think there's going to be plenty of weeks where he's going to get you that 17, 18, 19 points per game. I just don't think it's going to be quite as often. Jamie, can I read you something that I think is very important? Yeah, I have the game logs for Geno Smith last year in terms of his fantasy output to reemphasize what we're talking about at the second half collapse. In the first half of the season, which was the first 10 weeks, week one through week 10, Geno Smith on four separate occasions finished inside the top 10. He finished seventh in week three, second in week four, fourth in week five, and five in week nine. In the second half of the seven games that he played, he only finished there twice third yeah. in week 13 and seventh in week 14. Here was his fantasy output over the final four weeks of the season. 15.3, 13.2, 17.1, and 15.6. We talk about 18 being yep. kind of that magical number for you being a QB1, and the last four weeks of the season completely just fell off a cliff, was not at that. When the first three weeks after the bye against the Raiders, Rams, and Panthers, 20.3, 24 uh, on the nose, and 22.6. Yeah, and I also think that there's – when I say subtle differences, like if you take a look at my projections, if you pull them up right now, the difference between Geno Smith's projected yards for me this year versus what the yards he got last year was is about 170 passing yards. and three, So we're about 170 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, and about 65 rushing yards. That's all that's the difference, but that drops in two fantasy points per game. Mm-hmm. I think people don't understand sometimes of how little you actually need in stat variance to make a massive difference in fantasy. Like that doesn't seem like a lot, right? Like that doesn't seem like much of a – off of the greatest year he's ever had. I'm saying take off three touchdowns, take off 100 – you know, take off 10 yards per game, take off what, – what would that end up being? 1%, 10%? I guess it's technically 10% touch, No. Yeah, 10% of his touchdowns. So g- it's give, a me little bit, you know. give me the math equation. Yeah, no, I know. So I'm saying is I, what I'm what I'm saying is here is we do too much math. Ten percent of his touchdowns drop, mm-hmm. which seems high, but it's three. It's three off his high. About ten passing yards per game, and about five rushing yards per game ends up being like two fantasy points over the per week over the course of the season, which is all I have different. So I'm not saying that Geno Smith's going to fall off a cliff. I'm saying that I think we saw the high watermark last year, and I think there's going to be a little bit of regression across the board just enough to bring him back from a a guy that on average was a fantasy starter for you last year to be a guy that is more of a spot starter for you this year. Daniel Jones, the other player that I yeah. put in this bucket. I think the two big takeaways that you would, if you were going to buy in on Daniel Jones from last year, career low in interceptions at five in 2022, and he got the fumbles down uh, from you know a career low with six 
but you look at the game logs of what he was able to do, Jamie, and there's not a ton of big, big beefy games in here that get you really excited. They did add Paris Campbell. They did add Jalen Hyatt. Uh, they've made some additions. Darren Waller, I think, is a huge addition to this offense. That's what kind of made me surprised that you would take the the strides that we saw in this stable offense in 2022 with those additions. Again, are they fantastic additions? I think outside no, but- of Waller, not really, but I think they make them a better team, and yet you go, hey, not inside the top 10 goes all the way down here outside the top 16. Because this is where things get interesting. Okay. And I think this is, the, this is the point where I feel like that – I'm making some assumptions here, but walk with me on this. I okay. actually have all of his passing numbers improving. And so you might say that doesn't make a lot of Jamie, sense. That, yeah, uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, Jamie. You realize that he ran for 700 yards and seven touchdowns last year? I'm looking at his fantasy pros numbers right now, and it says he ran for 708 yards and seven touchdowns last year. So my guess is you are saying that that is going to be a regression. I I don't see him doing that. I have him more in that 550 to 600 rushing yards and four touchdowns, which is really the difference here. I have him actually throwing more, throwing for more yards, throwing for more touchdowns, uh, and having about the same turnover rate as last year. A little bit higher, but not not ridiculously higher. Uh, I think he's going to be able to throw the ball more this year. I think he's going to try to throw the ball more this year. And I think he's going to have a little bit more success throwing the ball this year, but I don't think he's going to be a consistently a guy that's going to get this amount of yardage. Now he's mobile, but if you look at where he's been throughout his career, he's been in that 300 to 400 yards with a couple touchdowns and a ton of fumbles. Yeah. Two, two seventy nine is rookie season four twenty three the year after that two ninety eight in 2021. And then last year, the huge jump up to 708. It's funny. He has 1,708 yards for his career. 708 of them came in 2022. There was a thousand yeah. yards over the first three years of his career. He had a thousand yards and five touchdowns through three years. And, and then, then had, last 708 year, had 708 and seven. And seven. Right. Um, I, I think those are coming down. And I, again, with Saquon Barkley there again coming back, like I just – with a Darren Waller coming in, I think it would be an interesting red zone option. A full year, hopefully, of Daniel Bellinger without that weird eye injury. More pass-catching options. Like I think they're going to attempt to throw the ball a little bit more this year, and he might be able to have a little bit more success through the air. But this is where we talk about how fantasy rushing production really buoys a lot for fantasy quarterbacks. And we're going to talk about this a lot on tomorrow's show when we're doing the top 15 because there are some really good quarterbacks – that are ranked lower than you would think in your head because of lack of rushing. And I think in this case, uh, a drop in rushing to, again, 575 and four, which would be significantly higher than anything else he's done before last year throughout the rest of his career is still a really good amount for him, is going to be enough that's probably going to offset a lot of the even improvements, the marginal improvements I expect him to make as a passer and puts him back in this range. So this is one where if you're going to bet that he's going to run as much and run as much inside of the red zone as he did last year, then obviously you're going to push him up the board and you're going to put him into QB1 range. I think that's going to regress a little bit in general. I think it's also going to regress by design as he has a little, few, a little bit more weapons to throw to this year than the mishmash of options that were around for him last season. Door number one, Jamie, has the final question for you here uh, okay. on this show, and it's not about Derek Carr. It's about the guy you have ranked QB 18. Mm. Sam Howell, QB eighteen. You are buying. You are buying so much Eric Bieniemy stock. It is. It is unbelievable the stock that you're buying. Speaking of guys with rushing upside, I think people have forgotten the type of runner, almost reckless runner that Sam Howell was at North Carolina. Here is what I like about. There's things I like about. 
one, I like the weapons he has. I like Terry McLaurin. I like Josh Dotson. Uh, not Josh Dotson. Um, Jahan, Jahan Dotson. Dotson. I got my. I almost got the former uh, Washington Josh Dotson. Thirteen uh, Dotson. I like receiver group in my opinion. Curtis ranked. Samuel. I think is a really solid player. I think Antonio Gibson is going to. I think he's going to get really creative in the way I think Eric Bieniemy is going to use Antonio Gibson as a 16th, pass catcher this year. Sixteenth ranked rushing uh, game in uh, running room. Yes. In, uh, in tight end. Eh, uh, tight end, uh, all the way at 25th, 25th yeah, from the Washington great. Commanders. Uh, but I like the pieces that they got. They have a true number one wide receiver. They have a guy like Samuel that can do a lot. I like what Dodson is. I like the weapons there. I like that they have an offensive coordinator that's progressing that's going to throw the ball consistently and, and, and work with him. And more important, most importantly of it, I think he's got a little bit of rushing upside. I have him right now projected around 400 rushing yards and four touchdowns, which, again, doesn't seem like a lot but is a decent jump over what most average quarterbacks will be. So you put that together. Again, I don't think he's going to throw for 4,000 yards. I don't think he's going to throw for like 25 touchdowns or anything. I have him at 3,900 yards, 21, 22 touchdowns, 13 to 14 interceptions. Like the, those numbers are not going to blow you away. They're just, they're there. They're fine. But I think the combination of weapons and the combination of him being able to run the ball and run the ball effectively. Like he was an effective runner at North Carolina before coming out and is a tough son of a bitch. And he's going to run through people and is going to not going to be afraid to put it. You've already what? I know, but like you just, you did that just cause you didn't yeah, need I did. to do it. You were just like, I did yeah, it let just cause. Just, just you know why? Just cause the Sam Howell rushing style. Uh, I'm actually, this is one of the guys I want to talk about a little bit more when we get to our sleeper show, sure. because he's somebody that I think is going to get overlooked because it's like, Oh, this is Sam Howell, that quarterback class. And I think there are elements of his game that are really, really intriguing for fantasy managers as a potential spot starter QB two, and maybe a sneaky guy that you put on your roster and you find out that, Oh man, he's going to actually end up starting three, four, five games for me over the course of a fantasy season. Folks. This is what you can expect every single day when we do these fantasy ranking breakdowns. There's a lot of depth. There's a lot of questions. I grill Jamie. I make him defend himself. We have some great debate, and we give you our insights, uh, how we feel about some of these position groups, and hopefully it makes you uh, more intelligent and makes you feel a little bit better about going into your fantasy draft. It's kind of the idea of what we're trying to do here. We've got two more QB shows this week. We've got QBs. 15 through one on tomorrow's show. We'll go deep into that. Including one rookie. Including a rookie, rookie we haven't very, talked about yet. Very excited of where he where he is on this list. When I first scrolled through it and I saw where you ranked him by the time all everything was said and done, I was in. I was fully on board. Uh, so we've got that on tomorrow's show, and then we've got sleepers and then takes on takes to close out the rest of the week. So it should be a good one. Come on back. See us again tomorrow as we continue these fantasy rankings. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Schubert underscore. You can follow Jamie on Twitter at Jamie Eisner. All of Jamie's uh, rankings on the draftnetwork.com underneath the fantasy tab. If you are a premium member, you can see the projections on there as well. Uh, so you can see the numbers. You can see what Jamie's projecting for all these players for the 2023 fantasy season. Please rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. We would greatly appreciate all of those things. Share the show. Friends, family members, coworkers. You probably don't want to share it with rivals in your fantasy football league, uh, but still share it with somebody that you think will enjoy this content. And we will uh, talk to you all later. Everybody have a great rest of your Tuesday. We'll see you all tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.